0: my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lumbaker, the world messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. And today I have a great guest, someone that I had a chance to hear not only to speak, but share passionately about the same things that all of us are here on the Legacy Leader Show to learn more from phenomenal thought leaders around the world and to figure out ways to be better leader and also to achieve our phenomenal legacy. He is joining us from Northern Italy. I am extremely jealous and probably indulge in great coffee, cappuccino, and some tiramisu. But without further ado, I wanted to introduce you to my great friend, Andrea Patron, who is a not only a phenomenal leader himself, but also focusing on high performance, high performance culture, as well as high standards of leadership. And he's doing similar work that I do, and I cannot wait for him to share what he's seeing what is happening on global scale, and specifically in Europe around executive leadership organizations, and the performance. Without further ado, Andrea, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Isabella. It's such a big pleasure actually to be part of your show. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And thank you for your warm introduction, of course.
0: You're welcome. And I'm super glad that with all of these crazy times that we're living in, even though we cannot see each other in person, we can travel with the world just in snippet and get information firsthand. Uh, so it's absolutely Pleasure to have you join us from Northern Italy. So do you mind sharing a little bit how is right now in Northern Italy? I know you guys had a really rough time and rough go last year. Uh, That was, my heart was breaking as being diehard Croatian and that grew up with Italians uh, and very similar cultures. I I was really, really heartbroken and I never thought I would have a chance to travel and see Italy again because everything looks so dramatic and gloomy last
1: year. Look, Isabella, it's been, it's been really tough. And uh, I mean, I don't live in Italy all of, you know, the 12 months during the year, but I normally spend the summertime here. So I, and I, I'm based in London, but of course my heart and my, you know, my parents are here, friends are still here. So, you know, as you can imagine, I used to get terrible messages and stories until actually a few months ago. So now the situation is much better, uh, COVID, COVID from a COVID standpoint. Although you know this new variant is in the UK, so I left the UK where the numbers were actually ramping up again, wow. and now there is this slight increase as well here in Italy. And I think from from a you know from, from a pure leadership perspective, what that means is unfortunately it it forced decision makers, leaders to postpone some of the initiatives or the decisions that we're actually thinking to start actually just after the summer. Because it's been, as you know Isabella, I think what happened here is that the leaders have been postponing decisions, say, you know, what? Well, let's wait until the summer. Let's wait until the numbers go down. Let's wait until, you know, that's wait, let's wait until was a common theme, isn't it? And yeah. now that we, we were so close to get, hey, you know, probably is over. You know, we, we did the vaccine. We are very close to end this vaccination campaign. We finally go back to business. In the reality is not really that. And not at least here in, the, in, in Europe. Um, UK is very different. So I, I can tell you about the UK if you want to. But let's say I think the whole conversation right now is about that.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit snap, a snippet of that. Uh, I'm glad you're safe and sound with your family and enjoying gorgeous weather in northern Italy. But if you don't mind, yes, we'd love to hear perspective what's going on in Europe, and specifically UK, because UK was also heavily hit as well and disrupted so much for so long. So, question: It is how long we can endure all of this, right? And 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 whether alternatives.
1: Well, I will tell you this, which is I think something very interesting. Um, yeah, I've been living in the UK uh, since 2013, so it's now eight years. And I've been all over the world for 20 years, my corporate world before. And then when I started my own business three years ago, and when I was in the UK, uh, it has been very interesting to notice how things change during this time. So essentially, I started business one year before COVID. And I, I tell you this, is um, the economy in the UK is getting better. I think there is... a it's very, it's very interesting, actually, this conversation it, it, because it's going to mm-hmm. lead to to the mindset element, which is very important to the performance, right? Yes. And what I noticed, Isabella, is in the UK, there is this mindset that, hey, no matter what is happening in the world, we're going to move forward. We're going to do this. We don't care. We, we need to move forward. We need to go back to business. We need to um, increase our um, investment. We need to... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you know let's 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 cover our eyes and let forget what's going on, but that, you know that's the mentality of doing no matter what. Well. Even in the South Italy, in South Europe, as you probably know, based also your background, your story, et cetera, it's not really that. As soon as we see something is not really working, as expected, and economies goes down, maybe there are less job opportunities. While in the market, people changed their approach. They're more conservative to some extent, right? And when you are more conservative as a leader, it's really, really challenging because leader, the real readers, and the visionary, they're not really conservative, right? They're actually yes. doing things, they're building, they're thinking about the future. And when the, th- the situation is positive, there's a good mood around energy, you are much more inclined to make bold decisions, taking some Calculate the risk for improving situation. But when there is a contraction in the market, unfortunately, the risk is you're gonna step back, right? So it's very interesting to see the difference, how we approach and how we deal with uncertainty.
0: I love that, uh, that even the ones that are go-getters and visionaries, you mentioned, and very progressive in their approaches, everybody were kind of put a little bit for a second on standstill, right? And then it's like, right. how can you be visionary in times of the biggest crisis of your lifetime? And how can you be also, of course, everything bad passes but you don't know what level of risks and damage and exactly. what you're gonna have on the other end, right? And um, more than ever, we have pressure to make a better decisions so be phenomenal decision makers and also to influence others to um, do the same, to um, swim in unknown. And one of the things that, uh, as you touched just a tad bit there about its performance, here in US, for example, we have such a low engagement a low performance that is absolutely uh, not surprising. We had that issue for so long before COVID, but then that really uh, opened up even more so uh, how low it is and how is that now affecting times during the crisis. So do you mind sharing a little bit about some factors and things you see that is happening as a result in Europe? Why is that? And then and what do you think on the global scale?
1: Well, it's such a big topic, isn't it? So that's one of the, <laughs> one, of the one million questions. And uh, it's very interesting, because there are different angles. So. One thing that we know is uh, you know, Gallup has been, of course, everyone knows about Gallup research in terms of love engagement. And that is unfortunate, a very steady number, right? So always below the 20%, the 15, 60%. I think what happened here is the fact that COVID has forced people to change their behaviors when it comes to work. And so keep performing as expected by in a very completely different scenario, context of the working from home, et cetera. It's very interesting what I noticed here is at the beginning has been super challenging for people that are not used to work from home, for example, and and dealing in a very different situation, right? But because we are creature of habits, what happened, and I think we we coach people on these things, Isabella, both of us, is we know that behaviors takes time to change, but because we are creature, creature of habits. Once we understand how to get most of our time, our productivity, then we change, we are forced to change our behaviors. So it took probably three, six months for each of employees, people to deal with this new thing. And you guess what? Well, now, organizations say, you know what? Come back to the office, you know, like this. <laughs> and people say, oh, hold on a second. You know, I learned how to improve, increase my level of performance working from home. Now you're not giving me any more that flexibility to leverage that and to get the most out of that. So I think there is a component of the relation between the behaviors changes, which is super important these days, and the context or environment where we work in. So that's one element. And the other thing to me that interesting is, unfortunately, the level of performance has decreased anyway, regardless of the good behaviors that we learn, as an individual because the organizations haven't been able to increase the motivation in in their employees and their people. Because when you work from home in a very different, so the situation is really very bad on the outside, but on the inside, we learn how to be more productive. But the reality, many leaders, they completely disregarded how you can be more performant when you are working. Remotely, so in, on distance, so they 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 essentially asked to have more meetings, longer meetings, in working hours, worse um, work uh, working conditions. So all so burnout, stress, depression, mental health is crazy. Unfortunately, what is going on right now in the in the business world, you know, I brought an article a few days ago about that. So, you know, it's it's incredible how the 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 wellness of of employees of people has decreased working for more so people that might think you know working for more is nice is beautiful is great it's not because they're working longer hours long in hours they bring more chronic stress and chronic stress bring more anxiety and then leads to worse performance because you feel in you know, a worse so so that so I'm going to stop here, but there are two elements. So essentially, is the behavioral changes related to the new context, but also how to increase performance. It's a new world, and unfortunately, it's not working a lot because their leaders are not really helping people to improve their performance. That's how I say I don't know what you think about that.
0: I love it and I love how you look at this holistically from 360 degrees and and you spot on that um, leaders are having a hard time also adopting and uh, right now more than ever pressure is for that growth right to sustain organization a lot of competing high priorities and a lot of challenging decisions because everything has a trade-off and even if you have the best intent you truly don't know how it's going to play out and what's going to
1: happen exactly, right? exactly.
0: and but for me I always think about human flourishing right we're like we're the term of flourishing to flour- flourish as individually or like on as individual contributor then as a team and then overall as organization and what I really see is right now if leaders are smart and really daring, Uh, they will have exponential growth, and even during the challenging times, if they're investing in human flourishing. If they're not doing that, and they're just being sidetracked and backed down for metrics, cultures, and all the bottom line craziness that we see in the United States that completely alienated so many people, uh, we're seeing a huge surge of mental health issues. We're seeing huge surge of complexity. And I love what you mentioned earlier, um, how much now by forcing or asking people to come back, so many of them adopted not only to perform better or save the time, but adopted in that new normal that also you have to allow a certain transition, right? Uh, you cannot just do things abruptly. And reality is, Is the performance going to be better in offices or offices that don't have necessarily good culture, good working environment that are struggling?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Because look, and that's back to the point I was making in terms of uh, chronic stress. So the chronic stress now has been proven that is actually also very much related to Toxic cultures in organizations. So the toxic culture—it doesn't matter where you're working from home or you're working in a team. The toxic culture, unfortunately, is going to be there. So you know, the starting point is that actually is the culture because the culture is going to make a complete difference on on the performance of individuals. I don't think many leaders they really get this because culture say, oh, you know, we have you know we have been doing this since you know, the day one, why we have to change it. So now that we know that there is a clear correlation between the culture and the stress, so essentially is performance. Now we know that the culture is the number one thing that has to be changed in order to actually really make a game change in your business, grow again, thrive, in, in you know increase your employees engagement, increase the motivation, bring energy, so there are so many fantastic outcomes of redesigning the company culture. So most of my work, as probably you you do as well, is around culture. So it's building high-performing culture starting from how I call it just the average culture. because many organizations have average culture.:
0: Yes, but or very below, few have our or, or, or below average right now actually Or there. even
1: below that yes. or even below that.:
0: Yes. And I love that, that you finding that, that the, all of this is tied to the culture and because the culture it's been also diminished for many organizations because people, they used to be there they're no longer with the company, right? So many positions were eliminated and the culture got uh, affected because that shows the true color, right? Not when it's all great and dandy as we'll say here in the United States but when it's really hard and challenging. So with that in mind, I love, uh, because I always look at from cultural standpoint things too, what's some of the things you're seeing uh, happening right now in Europe where you either see the culture being preserved because what they did for extra effort or being damaged because they neglected to do? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think uh, so so I'm a big fan of of one single element that makes cultures extremely, extremely good for performance, which essentially trust is is living. That is super important nowadays with all conversation about workplace, working from home, coming back. It's all about trust, Isabella. That's how I say. It. So trust is a number, v- number one factor that leads better performance in organizations. Now, the question is, many organizations, many leaders now, now they finally show their face to the organization, right? Because what is happening is um, essentially, um, if you don't trust your employees to to work from home in a good way, essentially is you're proving, you're showing that trust is not in place. And now is the time to show that you really trust your people. Because if you are, and I'm seeing this so many times, Organizations say, hey guys, you know what, we let's come back or let's come back to the office. But then when you go a little bit deeper, you realize that the real reason why they want everyone coming back to, to the office is because they don't trust their people. It's that is that said, but yeah. they don't want to admit it, unfortunately, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, you are spot on. I remember even some companies big companies that did not embrace blended work type um, home, uh, between you know office and, and home uh, and that old way of thinking. And I really feel like that taps a leadership. It's not leadership, it's a micromanagement and management mentality exactly. because they, by having people in the room, that doesn't mean they're gonna perform just because they're breathing and taking space and taking overhead, that doesn't mean uh, that they're gonna be fully present fully engaged, uh, and then also as a result, fully performing. And even the fact that we have specifically this huge issue in the United States, specifically in uh, some parts of North America and Canada as well, uh, we're seeing uh, where people are having this really artificial uh, team dynamics and positions, the titles and, and, and who is engaged and how, and that you have actual employees being more competent, not only in leadership, but in their role. And it's very hard for a lot of them. And one of the main reasons why we see a lot of is the way they're treated as a lack of trust and a lack of space to give them uh, open range so that they can be high performers right and in the same time also to to not only trust them but in the same time to give them the opportunities why they came in the first place in our organization
1: 100 percent. and you you know you brought this very interesting point about uh, give them space so when, when when it comes to giving space a couple of things in my mind so one is giving psychological safety to Speak up to talk, to share what they're thinking. So essentially, is let them, you know, let them empower them really to 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 develop as individuals by giving that safety. And the other element, which is equally important, actually is a level of autonomy. Because when there is no autonomy, and that's when micromanaging uh, comes to play, right? So level of low level of autonomy has been again proven from an auto scientific perspective is actually one of the one of the major factors of motivation. So when the level of autonomy is very low, the level of motivation in people goes down too. So you see everything is connected but really is autonomy autonomy is by far one of the probably three major success factors when it comes to engagement and motivating people. So, you know, when I hear, yeah, you know, we're still on a 15, back to the point that we were saying a little bit earlier, 15, 60% of engagement across the globe in terms of employees. Well, the, the, the first question to ask is, are you really giving them, first of all, autonomy to do things as they want? And most of the time the answer is no. So that's, that's one of the reason, one of the main reason why engagement and motivation is not there. So it's very very interesting point actually.
0: Yes, and, and it's so interesting how everything connects, isn't it? Because if you yes. bring like other member organizations fight so hard to bring all star player under a team, either in the sports or business, and then when they're there, then they are put in the mold and very artificial environment where they're suffocating and it's and not really thriving and all of a sudden they're like blame now on the performer because you know it's like you're not delivering what we're expecting but then in reality is look at the environment you put that it's like you transplanted this beautiful tree that was flourishing and bearing the fruit every year and you brought it in this environment that actually barely can survive and it's dying so what? what why What's wrong? Because that person already know how to be high performer, already know what he needs to or she needs to do. But now at that environment, the climate, it's not allowing that. And and a lot of times, it's such an easy, quick thing. And specifically when you have cultures and environments where they're focusing on short term goals versus long term goals and objectives.
1: Absolutely, and you're totally right. Is that I love that. Is the short term, but. Here's my challenge. I always challenge everyone when it comes to culture in long term and short terms in this way. Many leaders, many CEOs in particular, uh, you know, the average tenure of a CEO's it's probably around three, four years ish, right? I think it's it's a good it's a good it's a good uh, number. So three, four years. Now we know that changing a company culture. So it takes time, right? Because if it's a small organization, it's easier. But if it's a just medium, large size organization, you know to go, you know, layer, layer by layer, and it takes time. The question is: for a CEO, is a good risk to take changing the culture knowing that maybe after three years they're gonna go, they're gonna move somewhere else or not. And you know, I think the quality of, quality leaders they're gonna change the culture no matter when I'm gonna stay just three years they know they're gonna build your show is called legacy leader right so there you go they know they need to build the legacy no matter where they're gonna stay or not in the organization they know that if they allow the organization to flourish win changing the culture becoming another a culture they will flourish too because that, that's about legacy but many leaders are much more conservative scare and they might say oh you know what well, culture is is the worst it's too difficult project it's better i'm gonna stay there not taking risk. you know maybe increasing five percent revenues you know making sure the street shareholders are happy not making any any mistake you know unfortunately that is approach but in my experience Isabel, a better culture is something that is a changing a culture Is decision has to be made as soon as you realize that your performance are not good as an organization and then you need to understand why the performance is not good but most of the time there is something about the culture that's preventing organization from really thriving that's my experience
0: that is brilliant and I love that you touched on which we're going to segue a little bit more uh, because we were talking here also Fortune 500 companies right how many of them are changing not only the ranking where they're at due to lack of change and unwillingness to transform because even though some of them are established hundreds years ago for example and what they used to be and who they are you don't change the history you don't change the logo you don't change the brand maybe you don't change the value but certain things that were are done before you are now a multinational large corporation that our whole world recognize. You holders now just those external ones, right? And then then be in the driver's seat and drive it um, to the next level. So I'm curious from dynamics of leaders and executives, uh, what do you see right now? Uh, some of their either pain points or some of the things that they're really doing extremely well that others should do because yes, uh, more and more people are talking about legacy, which is ironic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the legacy leaders show but they're recognizing that what they're doing, how strong and ripple and effect and implications that have on generations to come. I mean, think about it. Every employee you have in your organization, their families is affected, their children are affected. They will remember and will know who they will like or trust or who they will support and who will advocate for based on their parents' experience. And where are they gonna go, where their loyalty will be either as a consumer or as a potential future worker, whatever might be the case, right? So now when we have such a global, I wouldn't say competition, but open floodgates where we can really um, pick and and find that high performing talent from all over the world. I'm curious, uh, what do you see coming? What do you see where the future is headed uh, from that standpoint?
1: Well, I think uh, I think what, one one thing is certainly, and again, is about trust, is building this mindset of you know you as a leader, you have to really instill trust in organizations. That's number one. So for me, it's really one thing that is gonna be a game changer for leaders. The other thing is also about their personal um, leadership as well. So in other words, I still see too many very egocentric leaders. And ego an ego is again is, is proven to be one of the major risks for leaders. Because unfortunately, as soon as they become you know top executive CEOs, the first thing that's, that's gonna happen, they're gonna develop testosterone, and the testosterone essentially is gonna really have them to see themselves in front of a mirror, like, oh gosh, I'm the king here, so I can do whatever I want. So, and that is really leading leaders. Bad leaders, unfortunately, to make very bad choices in the organization. So ego, I think the future leader is really about leaders that they leave the ego at the door, and that is going to be a game changer for many leaders. the best leaders are those that they forget about the egos. To some extent, there has to be a portion there, but it has to be really a different way to say it. And you know, I do a lot of work with technology firms and technology leaders, unfortunately, uh, some of them, they're really super egocentric. Um, and I think that's, there been such a bad story because, you know, the, the very high level of egocentrism, egocentrism essentially is going to bring, is going to lead to a very bad culture anyway. So everything is connected, but really ego is is, is, is a trust, more trust, less ego. And clearly in my, in my experience is more, again, to the point of autonomy is really, let your people design your organization. So don't give rigid structure and system in your organization, but let them really build your organization because that is going to be the best way to motivate them. So give them really the keys of your, you know, of your car, of your house. Hey, that's the key. That's the purpose. That's what we're, we're going to lead. Now, guys, it's up to you going there. And just really empowering this situation and in in, in, our happening that's my point that's my view i think
0: i love that and thank you for giving the real clear snapshot of what is happening right now and, and one thing I will just add is also a, a lack of competency. You can't lead in current times if you don't continue building yourself, right?
1: Totally, like you great learning point.
0: and growing. And I see this in, in addition to ego, that, that arrogance that I know all, right? Or I'm good where I'm at or whatever. It's, it's definitely also bleeding through because shows the lack of competency, shows the lack of, of confidence, actually, because every time you have to insert the ego, something else is lacking, right? And very often what I'm finding actually lack uh, the confidence. The confidence is missing. We have, a, we have a healthy confidence. We have an artificial confidence. We have a macho confidence. But what we're talking about is that true, genuine confidence in who we are individually. How do we show up? And then how do we serve? How do we interact with others? And if that is not there, all of that is masking and it's just as you said, damaging the culture and creating too many problems. So we love that, that. Go ahead.
1: No, just one what is it's fantastic what you just shared. It actually there is, I think it was a tweet from me weeks ago that's a kind kind of a good success. And essentially what I said is asking help. To your people, is not a sign of weaknesses. That's what we need to understand. Leaders can ask help, can ask support without jeopardize or compromise the level of confidence in front of the organization. Because, unfortunately, that's just one of the limiting beliefs. I'm not going to say I'm wrong. I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to ask for advice because otherwise, I'm going to undermine my level of confidence and my status in the organization. That's to be changed. Has to be changed because confidence is not measured in these things. Confidence is measured in something something else. So I'm so glad that actually you brought this up.
0: Yes, uh, thank you. Welcome, and I'm glad that you are going deeper so that everybody that is watching and listening can really understand if they're in that position. And I love what you said. You establish yourself. Uh, you led a lot of large teams you were in such a high profile roles in the past and then you realize how you can serve the leadership team and became this enterprise where where you can truly help them to hone their skill sets to muster to be effective right but uh, with that in mind Uh, Obviously, uh, everything you've been from traveling the world and everything else, I'm sure it's also one deeper desire for you to be fulfilled, right? Uh, And then see what is possible. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that journey and impact and desire because you already have a great legacy carved it for yourself, but what would you like to be known for and where would you like to land uh, in, in terms of that tremendous success?
1: That's such a great question, Isabella. Thank you for asking. I think for me, it's, uh, it's very simple because I've been uh, uh, I've been in very challenging roles for most of my corporate career. I and mean, I lived in Africa, West Africa, Middle East, many other ways, in, in situations not certainly comfortable, right? So I learned how to stretch myself out of my comfort zone and be comfortable actually in uncomfortable. And that lead me to get better, improving, so not being complacent with average, right? And that's what I learned, but I still see, I've seen so many people, they're just settled. They're just settled. They say, you know what, that's the maximum I can do. Well, that is, that is good enough. It's not good enough. It could be much better. So my mission, if you like Isabella, is very simple. I'm here to find mediocrity. For me, mediocrity doesn't sit on the table. So when I see medioc- medi- mediocrity in an organization, I feel I have to do something that, That's the reason why I do what I do right now. So I've been working with the CEOs, executives and potential really to, to go to the maximum level of performance because that is how unlocking our human potential, because we are not designed for average. We are designed for optimal performance. But but unfortunately, we settle. And I hate when I see people settling. And that's my purpose. That's my mission. That's the reason why I do what I do.
0: Wow, that is such a powerful and I love that. Because uh, all of us have a potential, right? Question is, are we desiring to tap into that or not? And and, exactly. and you just said it's a great legacy and it's a great thing to be known for, but I'm I'm also brought up something that I I'm sure you can share a little bit more uh, from that experience, like took me so long when I see people's potential, specifically what you said, being uncomfortable, being in different parts of the world, different infrastructures, different cultures, languages, how you put yourself to be uncomfortably comfortable, it's, it's, it's a part of the growth. And I'm sure that it was the most exponential growth, but how many people will stay in their comfort zone, right? And if, how many people actually welcome status quo because they don't need to do more or they don't need to do anything extra and they can just do it on autopilot. And I remember one of my first mistakes in executive coaching training and then just in general, working with executives, it's like, I'm seeing so much tremendous potential here, but if they're not willing to tap into it, doesn't matter how close to that they are. And, and took me a while to really figure out to meet them where they're at. So do you mind sharing some of your journeys and experiences that were kind of really helping executives that are watching and listening to this show?
1: yeah so it's it's a, such a great point it's learning to be comfortable again in uncomfortable it requires gut. it requires courage it requires vulnerability and this is why people they want they don't want to do it i i do work with people they have a very low level of confidence and they are scared about jumping into the unknown. And it's very difficult, as I'm sure that is the same experience that you have, Isabella, as a coach. It's very difficult to, not, I'm not saying convincing, but to help people to move outside the comfort zone because it's risky, it's bad, you're going to get hurt, there is a risk of failure, and you don't want to show to people that you're, you're failing. So there are a lot of good reasons to not do it. But also, we know that what brought us, you know, up to the point where we are, is not going to be enough for something else we want to do in our life. We know that, and you know, back in our mind, we know it, but we don't want to admit it. So that is much easier than, you know, what? Well, let's sit on the couch, and because we will never be there, because we are limiting ourselves, right? Yeah. But my my uh, strategy, you know, simply is this. The only way to, to be comfortable in uncomfortable is just taking every single day one single step. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be huge by into the uncomfort. The only way to grow is every single day, just one step into the uncomfort and stay there for a bit. I will always say it's like dancing in a moment, dancing in and out, in and out until you feel good enough to stay in the new position and once you're there it's a the time to to build the next step for the next round it, That is the way how you build it there is no way there are, not, there are no books there are no training courses there are no progress nothing can really help you to step out of your comfort zone if you're not willing to take it every single day that small step right James Clear has written an amazing book you know, called Atomic Habits, and most of us know and read that book. And he says something very, very simple, but it, it, you know, it's, it, it's such an important thing. He says, you just need to take 1% improvement every single day, every single day in order to make yourself better. 1%. So, and you can apply this to many different things in your world, right, in your life. So what is the 1% that you have to do today that's gonna make you just a little bit uncomfortable? So then you can really learn how to be comfortable when the situation happens. And that has been my life, Isabel. I've been in an uncomfortable zone for 20 years. I, you know, as soon as I I did my uh, university, I went to, to a remote island in the middle of nowhere in West Africa where there was just a bush. Uh, There was some uh, interesting government there and some, because I'm coming from the oil energy. So there was an oil gas field in the middle of the ocean. And that's why I was there. I could have stayed here in my own country in Italy. I could have stayed with my friends. I could have worked in a bank. I could have, you you know, so many easier things were available to me but I decided to to step into that comfort every single day. And probably what I learned here, I don't know what is your experience, what is the outcome of your experience, Isabella? But for me, I think I learned 10 times more than my friends because now I see again my friends, for example, and we are different. I mean, yeah. we're different because it's not only based on the experience that we, We've been through, but also you understand that you can do something more than what they can do because then they never really wanted to challenge themselves. And I'm not blaming them. It's just a matter of deciding, you know, what kind of life you want to live. And the same applies to business.
0: Comfort zone or risk zone. And it's sad when we outgrow people that we love. I there love you that you mentioned that because it's same story for me too. And when you go and circle back and nothing wrong and it's like that lifestyle works for them, uh, but then they confirmed, they accepted. And I even remember somebody was just talking, it's like, Isabel, I can't believe like you are not aging. You look so great comparing, you know, when they were put in and it's like, but because I love what I do. And it, sometimes it's not always, as you said, uh financially necessarily uh, rewarding or, or maybe rewarding with, with the comfort of family or friends, but is rewarding in, in, in exponential growth and putting Absolutely. yourself out there and that level of vulnerability that so many people will never, never dare to go.
1: No, also because you're gonna feel lonely, right? You're gonna feel lonely in that journey because you don't have necessarily a support system in place during the journey when you are really stepping into the uncomfortable at least that was for me I've been lonely when I say lonely it's not it's not necessarily the, the fact that there was no someone around you but the fact that you're living the uncomfortable experience at the end of the day as an individual no matter who is around you but it's you it's your choice that you are making and uh, yeah I love talking about this because it's such an important thing but there is no way to get better until you do it unfortunately
0: exactly. and nobody can do the work because uh, right now working more into advisory roles and advising organizations and companies and then obviously comes that coaching and consulting as additional player but it's like you can have as many advisors you can throw as many people unless you do actual work and you're willing to make it happen Uh, they cannot, you know, they can advise, you, give you some possible, you know, quicker, better ways. Uh, But but ultimately, if they are not doing the work, we cannot be doing work for them. And people don't realize that. So uh, I love uh, your sharing today. It's very impactful. And I hope that all of our audience uh, listening and watching, it's getting a lot of value. And Andrea, if you don't mind in the closing just to reflect for the moment some of the really actionable things that we're seeing right now right not only just for executives and people in, in, in high power positions, but everyone else that wanted to elevate their game their performance and of course influence and impact, what would you recommend for them. <laughs>
1: well it, it's there are, there are many things, but most of the things that we we have shared so far, I think there are already great great insights. I think another thing that for me is important. you think about performance from so a couple of things. One is the drive. You have to have that drive, that sense of it's a combination of urgency, purpose, curiosity passion. So there is one element which is actually a combination of that. You have to have these things in place. If you don't, unfortunately, there's no way to increase your level of performance because there, there will be always a reason of going down your level of performance because, oh, I'm not motivated enough, or oh, I don't have an energy today, or, well, you know, I'm not passionate what I'm doing. So everything, unfortunately, has to be in place. Purpose, passion, drives. This is super important, one thing. The second thing, then, for also from my personal experience, don't think about performance only from a pure business standpoint. You know, performance in the meeting, in the email, in the contract, in the call, et cetera. Performance has to be at 360 degrees. You have to be at the best of yourself in order to get the best of your performance as well. So, and you know, for many years, Isabella, I underestimated the importance of that. I so, say, you know, well, let's work hard, let's work more, let's keep doing, don't stop. That's the, level, that's the way to increase the performance. It's not, it's not. Doing less, but doing better and be, be perfect. And when I say be perfect, say your mind has to be perfectly ready to the challenge. Your body has to be perfectly ready for that. So it's not only about the work, but it's how your mind and your body are ready to step up your level of performance.
0: Wow, that is amazing. And I love um, what you just shared, and everybody that are seeking what they can do by it. If you just depict this last few minutes of this conversation, you have the winning formula and i I love um how simple truth is isn't it we always seek things in complexities but reality the more simplified lifestyle simplified processes but also simplified knowledge information that is where the secret sauce always is so with that in mind um do you mind just sharing also with us what is happening in your bucket list now that Hopefully, we can soon be able to travel again. And obviously, being so involved in um, gas and oil and technology industry and whatnot, uh, what is on your bucket list or where the next trip is coming?
1: Wow, what a question! Well, it's funny enough. Most of my clients are in the US, although I have clients in the UK, in Italy, in Europe, but and in Dubai actually. But I have clients in the US, and US for me is an interesting market because. Uh, one is the industry, because I do a lot of work in the energy space, technology, and US as something very interesting for me, especially in the Texas area, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, although technology is a great space as well in London, the UK, all the startup environment. But you know, the Brexit is also affecting some dynamics here. So, many organizations actually they are moving back either to US or moving maybe to to the U- European community, European Union for better transaction. So I think the US is super important, but also the Middle East because Middle East uh, is, is a place that I like, I love as well, I've been there and uh, I've been speaking. And so one of my, probably my next 12 months, my main interest will be going back and speaking more at events. So US and the Middle East probably are the major areas for my next trips as long as we can do it. And what about you? What is your next one?
0: <laughs> that is really interesting. For me, is obviously Europe and then Middle East, and I love what oh, you, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But of course, in US, the plane, and I feel like in this big pond, is definitely there. We, we do all the states that yes. we have and different dynamics. And you spot on. A lot of companies are truly trying to reorganize because they're also being very affected uh, with everything else. No industry can say that they did not get affected, and some more than the others. And definitely, gas and oil industry is being severely affected. So they're regrouping, restructuring, and it's a plethora of opportunities there. But that's amazing. But for me, for pleasure, I really crave to go to some of those islands like Bora Bora or <laughs> uh, San Martin and, and or Croatia where I can do beautiful sailing because now you really start appreciating, you know, the beauty. If you didn't, I mean I always appreciate it, but for me it's more than ever. Being hundred percent present, and when you do the work, you do the work. But when you really enjoy it, then just to enjoy it. And I have to say, I've craved great food. I crave visiting uh, visit in Italy and Croatia, so that is in the high high on my list. And trying some really great foods and just enjoying the beautiful arts and culture, and um, as as result, all some people.
1: I tell you what, it's such, such a great point because you know I always want to go to very exotic places like islands in the middle of nowhere but then you think about it and say hey but you in Croatia, me in Italy you know we live or we used to live or we have parents a family whatever in this such an amazing country and my wife always said, but what, why are you always looking for something so drastic exotic when we have <laughs> you know you, you're coming my my wife is not italian so she's from another country say so, yes you have everything there why are you always looking for something different which is which is fascinating we're always looking for something different when sometimes we have the beauty at home where we we don't we don't realize that
0: Yeah, because I feel like we we have a natural desire to explore, right? And embrace other cultures. And I also think that is the key to success of companies and key to success of of individuals. The more we attach, more we explore, we more know, we better serve. So um, thank you so much, Andrea, for being here with us today and sharing the Lucas Alita show, giving us your tremendous perspective. And we look forward to catching up with you down the road and seeing where things are and opportunities endless, aren't they?
1: Absolutely right. It's been amazing talking to you every single time. You know, the the level of conversation is always very high. And that really gets me excited. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show.
0: Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.